You're listening to the really useful podcast. This is the tech podcast for technophobes from makeuseof.com. Welcome to the show. My name is Christian Corley and I'm joined virtually this week by Ben Stegner and Gavin Phillips. We'll be going through a collection of tips and tricks to help you make better use of your tech. But before we do that, let's have a look at the recent tech news that matters to you. Okay, so the first thing we need to tell you about is Windows 11 is about to receive a big update. It's known as 22H2 or Sun Valley 2. The release date is expected to be September the 20th, 2022. Windows Central, the uh, popular location online for all the best Windows news, uh, has cited its own contacts as the source of the information. Uh, Things that you can expect to find in Windows 11 Sun Valley 2 are app folders in the start menu, resizable pinned area in the start menu, a drag and drop on the taskbar, focus assist integration with notification center, the new spotlight wallpaper feature, new voice access accessibility, new live captions accessibility, new gestures and animations for touch users if you use Windows 11 as a tablet, new snap layouts bar when moving app windows, new task manager app, new suggested actions feature when copying dates or numbers, tabs in file explorer. Hang on, we've got something for that. Oh, that has been a very, very long time coming. A better OneDrive integration with File Explorer. Again, something people have been wanting since Windows 8. And numerous user interface improvements and consistency updates. Now, it's fair to say that some of these existed already in Windows 10. And it does lead you to wonder, it's something that we've discussed on the Really Useful Podcast before in the past. Why are... Microsoft adding features to Windows 11 that really should have been there at the beginning. Your guess is as good as ours. Did they rush it out? Well, who knows? It won't be the first time. A quick look at Windows 8 and how Windows 8.1 was so better. It could be um, similar as well to Windows XP and Windows XP Service Pack 2, which was, again, a massive advantage to uh, Windows XP users 20 years ago. And secured the system made it more functional this could be a bit like that so this is called sun valley 2 and it's heading to windows 11 on september the 20th 2022 based on the information that we have currently android 13 is out if you've got a google pixel you can check for the update now and it'll be heading to other phones later in the year uh Samsung's One UI 5, which is based on Android 13, is in beta testing and is expected to be released in October. So if you have a Samsung, a recent Samsung phone or tablet, that's what's happening with you. For Google Pixel phones, from the Pixel 4 to the Pixel 6a, Windows, uh, beg your pardon, Android 13 is ready to install in most cases. Highlights of Android 13 
are new features such as an enhanced version of the Material U theme, an improved bedtime mode, new security and privacy protections, a new notification permission, which means that you now have to allow third-party apps to send you notifications rather than them doing it automatically. There is spatial audio support, which brings more immersive listening on supported headphones, and there's also a lower latency when listening to audio over Bluetooth and improved performance on tablets and those uh, mysterious folding devices. Android 13 will be heading to other phones later in this year. Aside from Samsung, which I've already mentioned, there's Asus, Nokia, iQ, Motorola, OnePlus, Oppo, Realme, Sony, Vivo, and Xiaomi phones all expected to get Android 13 probably by the end of 2022. And finally, for our new section, uh, Microsoft is patching the Dog Walk zero-day vulnerability. In its August 2022 patch, Microsoft provided users with security updates to tackle the exploitation of the high-severity Dog Walk vulnerability alongside 140 other flaws. The Dog Walk flaw is known as CVE 2022-34713, as with all great vulnerabilities, it has a catchy name. And it's associated with a Microsoft Windows support diagnostic tool. The zero-day exploits that have occurred because of this flaw use remote code execution to abuse the MSDT, the Microsoft Windows support diagnostic tool, uh, allowing an attacker to execute code on a vulnerable system. Uh, it's not great, but it's a zero-day exploit. It's been found. It's been patched. So... If it doesn't happen automatically, um, go and check for an update on Windows 11 and Windows 10, and that should be patched and remove the possibility that you will be hit by that attack. The rest of the show features myself chatting with Ben Stegner and Gavin Phillips about tips and tricks to help you make better use of your technology. Now, we've been running the Really Useful podcast since uh, 2019, I think that's right. And uh, But this isn't my first podcast. I don't know. Gavin, have you ever done any podcasting before this? A little bit, but not much in terms of uh, the production and, and recording side of it. Right. And I know Ben had uh, done a bit of podcasting before we got together with this. And uh, I've done a bit of podcasting going back to 2007. I first started podcasting. Now, in all of that time, it wasn't until around 2018, when I thought it was probably time to get a mixing desk. And, you know, a mixing desk or a mixer will add a considerable amount of professionalism to your podcast i mean for instance um those sounds that you hear occasionally uh like this one or the theme tune they can all be programmed into buttons and then just tapped and uh, you know all of a sudden you have got a um i mean you hit record and all of a sudden you've got a podcast <laughs> and you know you can tell a bad joke and uh, there you go and um so the, these one of the key things about podcast mixing desks is that they have multiple track inputs for multiple voices. They have a USB support for calls like this that I'm having now with Gavin. And then they will have the buttons and a couple of other things. Besides, I've recently compiled a list of the best mixing desks for podcasters. Now, I'm going to pray 
uh, preface this with the fact that this list was compiled in the full knowledge that there is a brand new Uber mixing desk just being released from Rode. However, uh, its uh, stats, its ratings on Amazon at the time of compiling this list were very, very poor based on pre-release versions and uh, pre-release firmware. And consequently, we opted not to include it. With that in mind, um, it's more expensive than all of these that I'm about to uh, give you a list of. But you may opt to go for it anyway, although it does miss a few features that the uh, Roadcaster Pro, which I use for the release of podcast um, over the past few months, uh, has. So top of the list is the Roadcaster Pro. That's our premium pick. Then there is the uh, Mayonocaster AM100, which I use from 2018 until this year for this podcast and a couple of others. I've got to say, that is a very, very good device, and it ships in various combinations. The microphone I'm speaking to you through now came with that mixing desk. It's programmable with um, sound effect boxes. Uh, it has a voice-tweaking system and auto-tune, and you can connect phones either via USB or via TRRS cable. And our best value option is the Hainaseek podcast bundle, which is a kind of a, a slimmed-down, cheaper version of the Mionocaster. You may argue that the Mionocaster AM100 is a cheaper version of the Roadcaster Pro, and, you know, I wouldn't argue with you. Now, of these, there is, uh, I think, there's six or seven in the list. The one that I'm most intrigued by is the Zoom PodTrack P4, because this is a portable solution. Now, the Mionocaster AM100 and the Mionocaster AU AM200S1 both have built-in batteries, but they're not portable portable the zoom pod track p4 is portable and has four inputs and four outputs and supports trrs and usb and even has programmable buttons and the fact that it's so compact and portable i'm really impressed by and to be honest with you if i wasn't using a roadcaster and i had a serious budget issue i would probably be looking at the pod track p4 because it looks very cool it's a really uh, interesting design, isn't it? You can see yeah. from the uh, images, which you can find on the on the website makeuseof.com, um, it's is evidently so super portable. It's, I, could you put that in your pocket? Could you? It's it looks that size, doesn't it? It looks popular. yeah. I mean, if it's... you compare it with the XLR ports on the um, second image, that's yeah, clearly sure. bigger than real. So I think you could put that in a pocket, or even uh, you know, in a strap it to a bag strap or something. Yeah, absolutely. So that looks like quite a nifty bit of kit if you're going to be out and about uh, recording. But I also dare say that probably doubles up uh, for other things as well, doesn't it? So you, well, you most probably do, take yeah. it out for, yeah, just for like if you were doing regular interviews, yeah. uh, maybe as part of your podcast or, or you just uh, gathering information for a project or what have you. So... So, so Christian, what? So with a with a mixing desk, podcast mixing mixing desk. Oh, get my words out. Yeah. What would you say the top sort of feature is that you should look for, or what would set them apart specifically? Um. So, hmm. Good question. I think over the years, I've thought things like the um, programmable noises, and um, I can't resist. <laughs> can I? I just can't resist. Programmable noises, um, supporting phone import has um, proved really useful to me over the years. Not just through USB as we do here, but also through the TRRS cable. So you could essentially um, phone someone on your mobile device and then hook it up to the mixing desk. I've done that a couple of times. Not with the Rodecaster, but with the Mayonocaster. And the all-important, and this is the thing that I didn't really realise was particularly important until very recently, and that's Mix Minus. 
and uh, I mean we've we've experienced this, haven't we? This um, when we used the we started using a uh, system, dear listener, called uh, Clean Feed, uh, which allows us to record our podcasts online, and it maximizes the sound quality for all users. So rather than using, say, Skype, which we used to use, and then recording it at one end, everything is recorded in tip-top quality on the internet and then downloaded later. And uh, in case of issues, we also use uh, we also record on the mixing desk, the roadcaster. Now, Mix Minus is... Uh, it reduces echo. When we started using clean feed, we found that there was a lot of echo, didn't we? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It was horrific. Um, <laughs> and I think there was two shows where I had to do a lot of editing to get rid of the echo, maybe four shows. And um, with Mix Minus, you don't get that echo. Now, Mix Minus is built into uh, several of these examples, particularly the uh, PodTrack and the Roadcaster pro and i dare say the roadcaster pro too so i think that is the key feature it's easy enough to rec- i mean if you're recording a podcast solo you probably don't need a mixing desk you've got it as long as you've got a decent sound card and a decent microphone you can connect it to your computer use uh, recording software it could be something basic it could be something a little bit more advanced like uh, audacity and hit record and then you've got a podcast these mixing desks are for situations like this when you're speaking to someone either over the telephone, over the internet, or you are hosting a sort of a live podcast event and you need to record all the microphones. And the professionalism that they add, although it may not seem sort of immediately apparent, I think uh, even listening back to some of the earlier podcasts that we did even between the uh the board you had at the time the mixing desk you had at the time sorry and to the new one the the roadcaster pro you can hear a definite difference yeah. uh and although we've, i think we've changed microphones and various things as well so that also all does come into play with it obviously but i think there is something very important that is added when you sort of step it up a notch isn't there yeah i would agree with that completely definitely now then have you found yourself mindlessly scrolling through your phone? I know I have, but it doesn't have to be that way. There are loads of things you could be doing on your phone rather than reading the latest nonsense on social media, newspapers, or just, you know, work chat, WhatsApp, gossip boxes, all that sort of thing. I think I might have just made gossip box up, but if anyone wants to take that and run with it, be my guest. <laughs> Uh, you can do, there's seven things that we've um, got for you uh, that have been compiled by Lando Like for MakeUseOf.com. They are in the following order. You can simply read books on Amazon Kindle, which is something I do quite often. My aunt released a uh, the second volume of her memoirs a couple of years ago, which uh, kind of puts me in touch with um, relatives that I never met. Um, grandparents who died 20 years before I was born. So that's a really nice thing for me to just stand just get out and read when i'm you know in a queue at the supermarket or something like that okay um you can listen to podcasts on spotify i mean you're listening to this on spotify aren't you and if you are make sure your friends and family are you can learn a new language with duolingo you mentioned learning a new language on the podcast ben are you using duolingo I am, yeah. I've been using it for quite a while. Um, I'm, I just passed a 600-day streak, actually, so that sounds more impressive than it is because I don't. I only spend about five or ten minutes with it a day, so it's not super impressive. But yeah, I've used 
I think I've, this is the third like chunk of time I've used Duolingo. I used it initially and I kind of fell off and I came back and fell off, but I've been more consistent with it this time. So I do like it. I would use other apps too. The problem is that it's really hard with most apps to tell it like I'm not an absolute beginner, you know, like I'm, I would say I'm like partially intermediate. Like I don't need Ola and yeah. like, like stuff like that, but I, I don't, I'm not like a hardcore expert. So, but it's hard to do that with most apps, but Duolingo actually does have a feature where you can bypass um, early lessons. Like I think okay. when you start, it asks you to take like a, like a placement quiz. And then based on how much, you know, it like passes you through the basics. So I mean, I use other methods other than just Duolingo, like other websites that I use for reference and things like that, but it is a great app overall. Yeah. I, I have a smattering of German, which uh, I've barely used in the past 30 years. <laughs> Which is a little bit embarrassing. Um, so uh, maybe I should uh, consider refreshing that with Duolingo. But um, maybe I should learn Spanish. But uh, I guess uh, you are uh, El Hombre. That's right. Yeah. You can learn coding on Mimo. Um, I mean, that's one option. I've been using Grasshopper, which does a similar thing. Uh, so that's a good alternative there. You can watch documentaries on Curiosity Stream. There are loads I've discovered recently. There's um, an increasing number of... Uh, uh, streaming services just doing documentaries, Ben. Which I, I have never kind of I, interesting. Yeah, I've never watched anything on Curiosity Stream. I have heard it mentioned as a sponsored partner in many YouTube videos. Um, it does seem interesting. I think, yeah, they're all documentaries, right? There's another one called um, Brilliant. I've thought about yeah maybe looking at that's like um, not really like brain training that's a little too simple but it's like like it, you can learn about like logic puzzles and probability and geometry and things like that so it's kind of like active learning games i guess if you could call it that that seems interesting to me too sure there's um the also the option you could just write your thoughts and memories in a daily journal now you know you might just prefer a pen and paper for this i do and however I have a uh, Samsung Galaxy tablet, which has a Galaxy Pen, S Pen with it. And that has a great screen off writing facility on it. So you can basically press a button to turn the screen off, then uh, double tap the screen with the S Pen and then start writing. And the benefit there is that you're using your electric device, electronic device. And um, I believe this works on the Samsung Galaxy, Galaxy Samsung, sorry, what? Samsung Galaxy Note phones as well um it, you know translate so you, you, you're combining the doing something with your phone with making a journal with doing it with your own handwriting basically which is I, so I, it's, a, it's the best of all worlds yeah isn't it? that's what i think that's what i think and um related to what ben mentioned before um you could do brain exercises one that's spent specified in the list is uh a tool called elevate but the, the, the main takeaway from this is you don't have to doom scroll. You don't have to get into doing work stuff or getting into endless chats or whingery on uh, WhatsApp. You can do something productive and constructive with your phone during your downtime. Now, as you've probably realized, I am hosting the show single-handed this week. And... 
normally when this happens, it's just a collection of tips and tricks that we haven't previously used in this show because we tried to stick to a sort of a 30-minute slot so that you can digest everything that we've told you and it doesn't turn into sort of a big sort of drain on your life. It's, 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 30 minutes is a good podcast length for travelling, for instance. And, and that's why we, we like to keep it kind of bite-sized. So normally in a podcast like this, we don't have recommendations, but... Uh, I really have to tell you about the Insta360 link. It's a webcam that I've recently reviewed for makeusoft.com. It's a 4K webcam. It has a three-axis gimbal and uh, artificial intelligence tracking, AI tracking. It has modes for whiteboard, overhead, desktop, and it will also switch itself off if you don't do anything with it for about 30 seconds. just flips down doesn't do anything doesn't record anything doesn't view anything it's lightweight it's easy to connect and set up ai tracking is very impressive with it and it's suitable for overhead document viewing sharing that on video calls and things like that useful if you don't have a digital copy of the document that you're talking about for example it records at 60 frames per second it has a quarter inch mount if you want to use a standard tripod it has dual noise cancelling mics uh, I'm so impressed with this. Oh, it also has HDR lighting. Uh, so basically it records in sort of all, all visible tones and then merges them together to create something that's uh, better to look at than say you're in a dark room or an overlit room. Seriously, this is a really good camera. I've re- recorded a video review to a company, my written review of this device. And the way it moves around, it looks at you it focuses on you instantly it zooms in on you you can change the the zoom manually from a sort of a a full length body to a shoulder shot to a head shot it will switch between those but it will also zoom in and move as you are speaking to the camera this has uses not just for zoom calls and video conferencing but also for streamers and on creating online courses it's such a good device. It is worth checking out. I'm going to give you a link to the review in the show notes. I would urge you to check the video review just to see how well the device moves. Well, that brings us to the end of this week's really useful podcast. Thanks very much for listening. We will be back again for a new show for you soon. Until then, it's goodbye.